0: I'm on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've decided to join us. So yesterday on the show, we talked at length about one uh, one kind of pollution that is devastating for the Great Lakes. We talked about microplastics and other plastic waste in our waterways. In just a minute, we are going to welcome Debbie Dingell, Congresswoman from Michigan's 12th District, to the program uh, to talk about other kinds of chemicals, and new movement in Washington to try to regulate them. But before we start, I just want to say a couple words about the elections yesterday. Election Day is one of my favorite days. Uh, I love going to the polls. I love getting on the computer and watching the returns come in and see what happened. Uh, A lot happened in Detroit yesterday. Of course, Mayor Mike Duggan uh, had a very strong showing in the primary, but Anthony Adams, a former deputy mayor, is going to be able to challenge him in November. Uh, we also saw Coleman Young, the second, uh, advance to uh, the general election in November for city council at large. My former free press colleague, ML Elric, uh, was victorious in uh, District 4 in getting to the general Election, But we also saw Proposal P, a very extensive charter revision uh, amendment, uh, go down on uh, Election Day. And it didn't just go down. It went down very hard. Almost two-thirds of the voters who turned out uh, said no. And I have seen a lot of folks on social media today really lamenting that um, because they felt so strongly about the issues that were addressed in Proposal P. And I know it's hard to lose at the polls. It's hard to not get the things that you desperately want for your city or other parts of government done. Uh, But I want to say that the ideas that were in Proposal P were strong ideas. There are things that we should be talking about in Detroit all the time. There are things that the city council and the mayor should be focused on. And so it's a loss, but it's not the end of the conversation, or at least it shouldn't be. And especially those who helped frame Proposal P, those who were pushing very hard for it to pass, need to take up the mantle again and make sure that in the council races in the fall, these issues are front and center. In the mayor's race in the fall, these issues are front and center. And if you really want to get those things done, those things affected in our city, uh, they can just as easily be done and maybe more easily done at the council table in the mayor's office than they are uh, amending the charter itself. So uh, great showing yesterday uh, for people who turned out to vote. Of course, we want to see way more of you turn out in November. It really matters uh, to be out there and be counted, uh, be part of the democratic process. We don't ever hit where we should uh, with that in Detroit. Uh, Let's work on that as well as we get into November. Okay, so today we are gonna focus on another pollutant that is wreaking havoc on the environment and our health, and it's found in our water. They're called PFAS chemicals. And these toxins are linked to cancer, to pregnancy complications and other health problems. And they're found just about everywhere. Maybe the most shocking thing about PFAS is that the federal government has no national standards to deal with these chemicals. One of Michigan's members of Congress is working to change that. The House recently passed Congresswoman Debbie Dingell's bill to set national standards for the two most common families of PFAS chemicals, forcing remediation efforts where those chemicals are found. Congresswoman Dingell joins me now to talk about these bills and the chances of them ultimately becoming law. Debbie, welcome back to Detroit Today.
1: Good morning, Steve. It's good to be with you. And it's a beautiful day in Michigan. to
0: It really is. We've had uh, wonderful weather the last week, and we have not been able to say that very much this summer in Michigan. Um, so, so let's start with uh, you talking about why these bills are, are necessary and what they would do.
1: Most people had never heard of PFAS a decade ago, and they don't understand the scientific data is there. We know that PFAS causes cancer, it can cause autoimmune diseases, it can cause infertility and a number of other very serious health effects. PFAS was and remains a very common chemical like so many other things we've discovered in um, our lifetime. It's used in firefighting foam. But what I find even more disturbing is it's used in Teflon pans. I'm a lousy cook. I need a Teflon pan. It's used in food storage containers. It's used in makeup. I mean, it's in many places. And what we know is across the country, we have 2,800 communities across the country that have PFAS in their water. And it's known as a forever chemical. You can't destroy it. It accumulates in your blood. So 98% of the people listening to you and me this morning have PFAS in their blood. Mm. It's something we have to do something about. And um, people have been talking about it for a long time. We know about it in Michigan uh, because after Flint, we know the importance of clean water. And actually, under Governor Rick Snyder, he set up a PFAS task force, and they really looked for where PFAS was in the state, and they found it. But every other state, if they go looking for it, would find the same thing.
0: Mm. So you got bipartisan support for these bills in the House, although the vast majority of Republicans did still vote against the bill. But- how confident are you that the Senate, where the Democratic majority is even narrower, will pass this and send the legislation to President Biden?
1: Well, the president has already said that he would sign it. The administration did a statement supporting it. Uh, I'm working with Tom Carper, who's my friend and colleague in the Senate. Uh, we, You know, Fred Upton. So this really was the Dingle-Upton bill. I've worked very hard with Fred. We did get, you know, for it. Still, probably one of the larger numbers of Republicans that voted for something like this on a bill because there are Republican members. Fred had a city in his district that had to cut off water and people had to drink bottled water for months. Richard Hudson's another member from North Carolina whose communities have been devastated. Uh, I've got a number of colleagues that know we have to do something. I'm talking to Republicans and Democrats in the Senate about how we get something through in the Senate, and once we pass it through there, we know the White House will sign it.
0: Hmm. Um, When you know we've had a hard time getting people focused on this issue, and one of the things I find kind of interesting about this is, uh, you were able to, to to get this done with. Fred Upton, at a time when everyone's talking about other issues that are kind of stalled in, in Washington, places where we can't make make progress. And I actually think that, that sometimes that's the way things work, that, that you end up with these big log jams over highly ideological issues. And sometimes it opens a window to be able to move forward on not smaller things, because this is not a small issue, but issues that, that aren't going to get as much of the attention or the media attention uh, that, that other things do. I mean, there's, there's, there's something crafty, I think, about uh, dealing with this issue now, given what else is going on in Washington.
1: Well, I don't even know if it's crafty. I remember when the Clean Air Act passed and someone said to John Dingell, the man I love and miss every day, You did, wow, you really got that through fast. And he looked at them and said, fast, it took me 10 years of work to get this to where it was. Hmm. And, you know, part of what we're doing right now, or have been doing for a number of years, and it really is Republicans and Democrats. I want to, it was a Republican governor that really took the lead among states in this country. And, and, you know, Rick Snyder learned after Flint, we got to pay attention to our water is people had never even heard of PFAS. They didn't know what it was. They didn't, you know, it's in our fish. One of the things that I find the most disturbing, and uh, this was several years ago now, but they did a a PFAS ban of, of eating fish caught in the Huron River and other rivers around the state because the state was testing and found very high levels of PFAS in fish. So... I I think, one, people have never heard about it, so then you had to talk about it, tell people it was a dangerous chemical, that the scientific data exists that shows people that it causes cancer, it causes many other harmful side effects, that it is a forever chemical, that all of us have it. And then as you do the education process, we are becoming, thankfully, more and more educated consumers. People know about it. And then you've got to work to actually do something to get it banned, Mm. to keep it from being in our water, our products. And a lot of people would just like to know the products they're buying have PFAS in it. So getting products labeled so people know that PFAS chemicals are in them is also important. Mm.
0: I'm talking with uh, Congresswoman Debbie Dingell. She's a Democrat from Dearborn who represents Michigan's 12th congressional district. Uh, we we're talking about bills that just passed the House that would set national standards for regulating PFAS chemicals, uh, the things that we are finding increasingly in our water and elsewhere. In, uh, in our in our environment. Uh, we're also going to talk about a couple other things going on in Washington. But uh, if you have questions for Congresswoman dingo or want to talk about these issues, uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, what do you think about pollutants such as PFAS chemicals? What should we be doing about that? Also, uh, give us a call. Tell us what you think about the infrastructure bill that is still winding its way through Washington uh, and uh, the flooding here in uh, the city of Detroit, uh, the, the, the massive damage that was done uh, as a result of the, the really heavy rainstorms and our inadequate infrastructure here. Um, what should we be doing to rethink that infrastructure in a way that uh, doesn't make us all so vulnerable? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and to Twitter and put comments there, and uh, we'll try to work you into the conversation that way. Uh, Debbie, I I do want to talk about uh, infrastructure, but first I want to talk a little about the eviction moratorium that originally ended on July 1st. You sent out a statement yesterday that Congress needs to extend that moratorium, and now the CDC has announced that it's putting in place a new moratorium that's a little bit limited, uh, but it'll be in place until early October What's your reaction to the CDC extension, and what are the long-term solutions that we ought to be um, that we ought to be thinking about? So
1: I have a lot of feelings uh, about this. And by the way, what the president did, to be perfectly frank, Wayne County would not benefit from it because at the moment, thankfully, uh, we are uh, only a moderate danger area because of COVID. So I, I want to tell you, Delta is on the rise for all of us, and we really do need to think about wearing our masks when we should, when we're indoors and washing our hands and giving people space. But, you know, first of all, we, uh, in last year, or this year, both last December and um, in March, we budgeted $47 billion to help people with their, who are behind mm-hmm. um, their rental payments, and not only to help the tenant, but a lot of people think of landlords as these owners of these huge buildings. A lot of l- landlords are what people call mom and pop. You know, they've bought a home, they've got something in their home that they rent out, a basement, or they buy an extra home to have an extra source of income in their retirement down the road. And it's a source of income that they count on and they're not getting it and they don't want to be cruel and evict in someone either. So we're trying to get help for both the tenants and the um, and the many of the landlords who are mom and pops. But we've only, out of the money that um, was allocated for this, uh, only $3 billion have gone out. So some of the states aren't trying to do anything, and every state, needs to, and Democratic states with Democratic governors are, quite frankly, have just as many challenges. So this isn't a partisan thing. We need to get this process simplified. We need to figure out how we're going to get the money that has been allocated to people. We need to educate both tenants and landlords that there are resources out there. We need. I have been working, quite frankly, months ago with Um, some of the legal aid groups and the courts uh, that if people were in trouble and the banks, the banks were trying to be very sensitive too, to go to people, know that there were resources out there and to help people. And we need to do that. Um, But we also need to, it was ridiculous, the drama that came on this, this program. Uh, We do have COVID really Uh, increasing in many areas. We do not want to see people out on the street contributing to, it becomes another public health safety factor. So I want to see us do something that isn't as chaotic as we've watched the last week, too much finger pointing and not enough solving the problem. CDC did put out an emergency order from some regions. Ours was not, I mean, right now, Wayne County, Washington County, which I represent, aren't there, but there are people there to help you, and we want to help you. So yeah. they're, they're, we need to make sure people know how they access those resources, and we need to help people cut through a bureaucracy and get the help they need. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Uh, let's go to Lucas in Gross Point. Lucas, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Uh-huh. Um, first of all, I'd like to say to Representative Tingle, thank thank you for your service and your husband, John. Um, on the subject of PFOS contaminants, uh, I live in Detroit Metro now, but I'm originally from the Middle Ohio River Valley. Um, and forgive me uh, if I get a little emotional here. It's a, it's a hard subject to talk about for a lot of us that grew up in that region. Um, but in the 90s, uh, our entire region was poisoned by DuPont Chemical uh, with the surfactant C8. It's a uh, plurofluoroctanoic acid um, that attaches to your blood and is responsible for a litany of birth defects, and cancers. Uh, My father, uh, who, by the grace of God, is still with us today, uh, was diagnosed with testicular cancer, and it was proven uh, that it was caused by the CA chemical. Uh, now, this is something that doesn't get a lot of attention anymore, but it, it happened 20-plus years ago. Um, there was a film that came out, Dark Waters, that, that covered it. But it's obviously an issue that is still long standing in our country. Uh, the PFAS contaminants in our in our river ways in Michigan is a prime example of how something isn't being done immediately about it. And my biggest concern and question for Mrs. Dingle is uh, what kind of actions as legislators are you going to bring forth in opposition to the industrial complex mm. that – at the moment is still on a voluntary basis on phasing out sort of chemicals of this nature. Yeah. And uh, I'll take I'll take um, that off the air.
0: Yeah, Lucas, uh, great question. Thanks very much for the call. Uh, Debbie, go ahead. Lucas, you're absolutely
1: right. One of the uh, things that I have said to everybody this year is that um, the Defense Department has understood the risks of PFAS since the 1970s. FDA has understood the risks since the 60s. EPA has, I mean, acknowledged it in 1998, and industry's known about these dangers for decades. And I I sometimes compare this to asbestos, which we're still trying to get out of buildings. The time is now. And actually, even in this round of getting this bill through the House, there was no Republican colleague that said, we don't agree that it's a danger. We don't agree this. But, you know, they raise how much money are we going to have to spend, how many chemicals are we going to have to ban, because there are many classes of PFAS. And I'm like, okay, we know about PFO and P5. That's what the bill seeks to immediately uh, to have EPA issue a ruling on. The fact of the matter is, is that we still do not have a drinking water standard for PFAS. And we have a target number that is less than what Governor Rick Snyder's scientific advisory committee recommended um, several years ago. We need to get this done. But it's why I'm pushing so hard. And we need to work on it at state level, too, and get states to take action. I'm hopeful that the time has finally come, that we've talked about it enough, that people are going to demand action. But we all need to be part of demanding action. Mm. I'm working very hard at the federal level to get this done. You know, some of the corporations have actually stopped producing, about 10 years ago, some forms of this. uh, They're trying to find, you know, firefighting foam really matters when you've got a bad fire. But do you know how many military installations? It's more than 300-plus that have PFAS in their ground and in the air, and it's poisoning military families. It is time for us to do something. You are dead right. Mark Rufinello, who did uh, that movie, has been a wonderful partner for me, and it's about educating and advocating.
0: Hmm. So I know that uh, you're going to have to run soon, but but I do want to ask you about the flooding here in southeast Michigan and something that you said, I think, yesterday about calling for uh, the Federal Highway Administration to do some things that would repair and improve pump systems to pre- to prevent, uh, you know, this from happening again. Can you talk a little more about uh, about what money you're talking about and what you want them to do with it?
1: So this is much more, it, it's very complicated. One of the things that I get, look, I live in Dearborn. Dearborn was the city most impacted by, and we've had three floods in a month, so these aren't once. a lifetime storms. They're coming more and more because of global climate and other things. We're going to pass an infrastructure bill, I pray, in Washington, D.C., and people say to me, when the bill passes, will this take care of the problem? Well, it's not going to take care of the problem if we don't have a plan. Uh, The EPA administrator was here three weeks ago, and I made that point. Some people were mad at me, and he reaffirmed with Mayor Duggan and my colleagues to leave and Lawrence in the room that we're going to be competing with communities across the country uh, and that we need to have specific plans. We couldn't answer the questions in the room that day. And one of the criteria, by the way, is going to be regional participation, regional work. Now, the governor has pulled together a work team of different people that have done different work and is trying to pull that together. And there are a lot of different things. We have short-term, mid-term, and long-term things we need to do. And the long-term is going to cost a whole lot of money. Short-term isn't – it's millions uh, and billions. But one of the things that happened when we had the terrible storm that the federal disaster was declared on is 20 pumps didn't work on I-94. Not because the pumps didn't work, but because the electricity failed. Mm -hmm. There should be backup generators for every one of those pumps. So the state has requested an emergency grant. There are funds available um, to get those generators to to pay for the generators to back up those pumps. What we did yesterday, the entire delegation, every Republican and every Democrat, there is such a thing as bipartisanship still, supported the governor's request to get those dollars. But that's just one thing. We need to be looking at you know, why do we still have manual switches any place mm. so that when we know a storm is coming, that we should have switches that are going to automatically do things? Where, I mean, you, you see, as soon as it rains, we know where some of these highways and these the, the, the underpasses are just going to totally flood. I, I was here two Fridays ago when we had that horrible rainstorm and I got caught in Southfield and was flooded, but then... When you look at Dearborn Heights and the water is over the windows of first floors in some of those streets. We have to do something. And our problems in Dearborn are River Rouge and Ecorse Creek, Candace Miller knows exactly what she's doing as drain commissioner in Macomb County. Some of her are different, but our water, the water and the sewer lines don't know, I'm leaving this city and going into this city. We have to have a regional plan. We have to be ready. We have to keep this work going, and it can't keep happening. There, I mean, I just have held people sobbing in my arms, mm. whose you know life has been wiped out in some ways for them, and it can't keep happening. We've got to work together and get plans done to address this so it doesn't keep happening every time it rains. Mm.
0: Okay, uh, Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, always great to catch up with you here on Detroit Today. Thanks so much for coming by today. Thank you. Be safe. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to hear from another member of Michigan's delegation in Washington, Congressman Andy Levin, who is now speaking out publicly for the first time since his uncle, former Senator Carl Levin, passed away at the age of 87 last week. Stay tuned for more Detroit Today.